so much. Hit the share button. Hit the share button right now. Put this in a social media group, a Facebook group. Uh, text the link to somebody if you're watching on YouTube. I appreciate y'all. We're going to kick it on the FM. We're going to be talking about the heart. It's February. It's the month of love. It's the month of <laughs> the love. The month of love, baby. Good morning. This is KGA Radio. 99.5 FM is 908. On a Tuesday, I have Dr. Aaron Choppa on a beautiful, crisp, cool, calm, collected February morning. It's uh, the second. Dude, you just stole all my adjectives. I did. I have some more. I'm so excited. Bring me some more. It's a uh, VIP. <laughs> what is Vim, that? bigger, and VIP Vim, kind of a day. Vim. It's yes. a day that if you need a little spunk, you can tune in to KG Radio, Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center, talking about the amazing, your heart, the mm. amazing heart, this thing of vessels, you know, arteries, veins, capillaries, driving nutrition through pressure and valvular expansion and closure, making that beautiful sound that you can't ever hear. Lub, dub. That's it. Lub, dub. Ooh. And the heart is the coolest organ in the body. Is it One, a, it's an organ? Is it a muscle too? It, well, it, it is a muscle. Okay. Uh, uh, it's technically, uh, I mean, the um, when you look at your organ systems, a cardiovascular system, the heart, <sighs> one of my favorite statistics about the heart is it pumps because it's told to, mm-hmm. not because it wants to. So all of your muscles, for the most part, uh, are voluntary movers, right? Like we move our arms, we move our back, we move our neck, we move our legs, foot, toes, everything, right? But your heart is electrocuted every time that it, you know, does that lub-dub thing. That lub-dub thing, you should never feel. You should never know it's happening. It happens uh, over 100,000 times a day. Wow. 100,000 times a day. And you should never feel it doing its job. It's like ultimate service with no, you know, we take it for granted, no gratitude. It doesn't need gratitude or, uh, you know, thank you. It just does what it does until it doesn't. And, uh, man, the heart month. I love talking cardiovascular system. This is Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. This is Dr. Aaron Chapa, And we're going to have some fun this month, Guardy. I'm excited. How can we thank our heart? I feel like we should be taking care of it. You know, it doesn't ask for a thank you, but we should take care of it and say thank you. Uh, You know, that is an excellent question. How can you say thank you to the heart? Well, number one, first and foremost, if the dude don't move, the dude don't groove. That's right. Move around. Do something. Because... Sitting is the new smoking. Smoking is one of the fastest ways that you can abuse the cardiovascular system, the heart specifically. It causes all kinds of havoc and stress on your cardiovascular system. And so when the heart is beating 100,000 times per day, I think just an understanding that it's there, present, running a, you know, uh, for you behind the scenes you should say, okay, well, what can I do? I can, you, you could go for a 20 minute walk. You know, one of the neat things about the heart they've done on pig studies, poor piggies, but uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, somebody's <laughs> got to be the guinea pig, right? They, yeah. they would do yeah. these cardiovascular occlusions in the coronary major arteries of the heart. So you've got 100,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries. So just to kind of put that into perspective, because, you know, 100,000 times per day, I didn't do any, you know, uh, I didn't do any like kind of calculation to kind of make it more relevant. But 100,000 miles of arteries, veins and capillaries is long enough to go around the world twice. So think about that. The world's pretty big. It's pretty big. You know, you ain't going to. I mean, people have quested to sail it, you know, uh, and and sometimes don't achieve it. You know, I mean, just getting from here to Missouri is 11 hours in a car at, you know, speed limit miles per hour. 100,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries to go around the heart or the world twice is a pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable um, idea whenever you and I are sitting right here in this room. And you would think... Like, man, like 100, how small are those, you know, because a ball of yarn, how big will a 100,000 miles of a ball of yarn be? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so the the arteries are just a real veins and capillaries are really neat idea. And so like when I look at anatomy books, uh, when I look at anatomy apps and I start breaking down and looking at the complexity of the veins, the arteries and the capillaries, you just go, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Like how, like who, what engineer could possibly construct such complex roadways and delivery systems, transport mechanisms to and from gateways Way stations, if you will, stop stations, valvular stations. The the idea, for example, on the arterial side is the heart pumps, again, because it's told to, not because it's it wants to, not because it's even asked to. It's literally electrocuted. I mean, just think of that. What do you mean it's electrocuted? That's how they get you kind of back. Is it a defibrillator or something like that if well, they need to? Like, I mean, in a, but you have your own it. built in. Right you know, electrical impulse system. You know, uh, somebody described it one time, you know, so at, at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center, we're always about thinking about food. So another way to say thank you to your your um, your heart is to eat well. Mm. Green leafy vegetables, making sure that you're not eating partially hydrogenated oil, the, the uh, artificial sugars, the high fructose corn syrup, the processed foods, the excessive amounts of carbs, all the franken foods that we're exposed to day in and day out, avoiding those things more often than not. You know? And but when we look at the, the when we look at food as medicine, the sun is a pretty powerful el- electrical generator, yes? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's so powerful. In fact, we can't get too close without it burning us to an oblivion. Our little bodies just wouldn't be able to tolerate it. You can't even look at it from here to the sun without it damaging your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's pretty, pretty remarkable. The sun, um, it it push puts off this electrical energy, and our body needs electrical energy, Guardy, and that's a fascinating thought. But we can't handle the sun. Right. If you put your uh, your your um, uh, a butter knife in a light socket, that's a bad idea, right? I mean, they, yeah. we, we learned that right. long ago, and that's why they built those little cool plastic plugs for all over my house, all over your house, right? To you know, my kid, kid proof mm-hmm. the house, and so electrical energy in the wrong proportion to the body could be a bad gig. So the sun, massive output of electrical energy, God goes well. I need some sort of transition from electrical energy to a downgraded electrical energy. How am I going to do that? So I don't really think he asked the question. I just think he just spoke it into existence. Praise be to the Lord. You know what you're doing. But all this electrical energy comes from the sun, hits the earth. It goes into these cool little things called plants. And these plants go through this cool process called photosynthesis, and they convert that electrical energy into biochemical energy. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Now you can see where I'm going with this, that food is medicine. So now we take this bio, uh, bio, um, uh, biochemical energy, we consume it into our bodies. Our bodies then take this, break it down into these little micronutrients, breaks it down into vitamins and minerals and essential fatty acids, and all of these little particulate matters come together and they assimilate and activate the electrical outlet systems of our body at every tissue, at every cell in the system, activating our electrical system. Think about that. Something so abundant, so powerful, the sun, converting its power into something that we can consume and then our bodies take that power reconvert it into something that we can not just consume but use Mm -hmm. to drive our bodies to better productivity and to better action. And especially when it comes to the heart, the heart gets first dibs on all nutrition. So that's why when a person takes nitroglycerin, it hits those cheekies and it changes the heart function immediately. People have said that they've used bare aspirin and they've saved a life. You know, Mm -hmm. pretty cool that the body works that fast. Well, Dr. Royal Lee and um, uh, George Goodhart, the developer of a t- uh, technique called applied kinesiology, discovered using Royal Lee's heart sound recorder uh, 
in the, the those days in the late 30s, early 40s, called an acoustic cardiograph, had the ability to measure heart sounds, you know, if you will, with a, basically a glorified stethoscope, something that had the ability to go 200 decibels in hearing. So where, like with an average ear, it's like under 100. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. we don't have that capability just because we we're, we're not there. And yet this little machine, he was able to de- design, he was a mechanic and he could just fix anything, build anything, create anything, very amazing developer. And so he had this ability to, to, to look at heart sounds and see and watch the rhythm of the heart. And once you see, I guess, enough healthy hearts, people with no symptoms, and then see healthy uh, symptom patterns with people that have these same tests run, you can start seeing patterns. And you can start seeing irregularities. You can start seeing missed heartbeats. You can start seeing valves not firing like they're supposed to. You can start going, okay, now what am I going to do about those things? And you start eating certain foods or taking certain supplements, and you can get change within seconds, within minutes, within 30 minutes. And you can, I've seen heart uh, skipped uh, second sounds on a heart sound recorder, and it's just a common problem. They feel it. They're fatigued. They sigh a lot. They, like, you shouldn't really hear people breathing, right, unless they're, like, exercising but you shouldn't sit across from somebody in their little lounging chair and you hear them go all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something's up with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you see those those patterns happen, you start going, okay, is that a symptom? Because most people don't even count that as a symptom today. It's just something they just think so-and-so is doing. Mm-hmm. But those are check engine lights that your body is crying out for something. But then you go and listen to the heart. You can maybe hear something. But I found that a lot of times, unless they have a blatant issue, you can't hear it. You know what I mean? Like if it's a real, if it's an issue, you can hear it. But we don't want to. We don't want to hear issues. We want to be able to see, so to speak, into the crystal ball before an issue arises, right? Yeah. That's called early detection, or even an opportunity for true prevention. You know, if you if you got off the 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 wrong exit on your way to your destination and you caught it within five minutes, you're only ten minutes you know out of your way, five minutes that you are off, and then the five minutes to get back on track, right? But what if you can't leverage the technology and you're ten years down the road? It just takes a little bit longer to rewire things, a bad patterning and bad mm-hmm. habits and bad lifestyle to get things to course correct. You can, but it goes back to our good old tree analogy. When's the best time to plant an oak tree, Guardy? 30 years ago. Yes. You know, 30 years ago was the best time, but today is the next best time. And so you've got to start where you're at. So if you don't know, the heart, even though it might have, you might be 30 years off of track, today's the day. You know, the thing still pumps five quarts of blood per minute. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of fluid. If you don't know what a quart is, it's 32 ounces, you know, so five, you know, uh, you know, 32 ounces. That's over a gallon. You know, you, you, you go, wow, like that thing's busy. You know, at rest, this is another cool statistic. At rest, the heart muscle works twice as hard as the leg muscles of a sprinter hmm. sprinting down. A track when they're run, when it's when running. They're running, so think of how lean and muscular and beautiful the the uh, the a sprinter's musculature is. There's no fat in those muscles. I mean, there, there's no intramuscular fat. Those fibers are firing on all its cylinders. I mean, they're just pristine. The heart is pristine. It's lean. It's beautiful. And the heart is the only muscle in the body when stimulated doesn't hypertrophy or grow like your muscles in your body does because it's a different type of muscle. It's a cardiac muscle, not a smooth muscle like in your intestine or a skeletal muscle that is like in your muscles like that you, you know, use. And, and so the only, I mean, I could just, these statistics for the heart are, what we know about the heart are fascinating. And what we also know about the heart from a perspective of, the Egyptian population is it's also fragile because in the Egyptian population, I mean, when you think of like Moses's day, like true Egyptian time frame, I mean, Moses was like, what, 400 plus years old, 
He was old, yeah. <laughs> or was he young, and to us he's old? Yeah, that's I a mean, lot of heartbeats. I mean, that's a lot of heartbeats, Guardy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, people get to 50 years old, and they say to themselves, <laughs> I'm halfway there. I did a little bit of math earlier. At 100 times a day, that's uh, 36,500,000 times a year. If you're going to live to be 120 years old in your lifetime, you know, my phone kind of tripped out. <laughs> 4.38, and then it says like an E9. If somebody is smart with the calculator can tell me. <laughs> I assume that means like nine zeros or something. I, I, I don't. It's a lot. So that's at 120 years old. So imagine Moses at 400 plus years old. How many it's, heartbeats are we talking? It's pretty legit. I'm, I mean, my phone. I mean, and, and that's the thing, right, is like, okay, there's something to that. And I mean, that that is documented history. Like people lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But then all of a sudden, when you just go back, you know, a few hundred years, um, you start looking at the Egyptian population, and all of a sudden, these uh, maybe even further back. I might be wrong on my my actual timeline, but it, but the a lot of the Egyptian uh, population started finding that they were dying at forty and fifty and sixty, eighty. You know. And uh, most time it was between 40s and 50s. And then maybe that's because, you know, people were trying to kill them, you know, trying to get to power. I don't know. But but they also did this really neat thing called mummification. And a part of it was for ritualistic spiritual issues, trying to, like, you know, make sure they were rich in the afterlife and da da da. They didn't mm-hmm. lose their royal status, I suspect. I mean, I mean, if I didn't ha- know the one true God, you know, if I didn't know that the, the only path was through Jesus Christ— um, I mean, I guess I would try to like, you know, live forever, live forever somehow, right. some way too. Um, you can't blame them for that. I mean, we we kind of are all wanting to live forever too. It's just those of us that know Christ already know we, when we leave this earth, so it's just a transition state, you know, and into eternity. And and then, but they mummified themselves for two reasons: for the spiritual and the afterlife, as one, and two, because they were trying to preserve their bodies enough. That when technology evolved, maybe somebody could figure out why they were dying so young because they recognized that something wasn't right. Something changed. But you have to think, you know, like what really grows in the desert? Cactus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and dirt. Cactus and dirt and, and very little, right? Yeah. Very little. Uh, I know chaparral uh, grows in the desert, a desert hardy plant, um, and very strong herb. Great, great for fighting infection. We use chaparral quite a bit, actually, in the office. And, um, and when we got a stubborn, infectious case that we can't seem to break loose, toothaches, you know, root canal site pains, uh, or just strep or staff type stuff. We've seen the support of really complex, you know, desert hardy plants that are hardy in nature be, be very effective in activating hardy in nature in your body to rise up a defense that can ward off or stave off a attack from a bacterial pathogen that's lingering in the shadows that just won't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but they wanted people to be able to dissect them and figure out why their bodies were breaking down so early. And they lived in the desert. If you read even as far back as uh, Joseph um, in the Bible being Pharaoh's second right-hand man, he raised this stuff called wheat. You know, he stored it up. And he stored it up because there was nothing that was growing during those famineous years. There's probably not a lot that grows in the desert anyway. And then you add the the famine. Yeah. Right. And so he was storing wheat up um, because it never goes bad until you crack it. And then within six hours, wheat goes bad. So that stuff that you're eating on the shelf at the store that they call bread that has a shelf life of months, um, you should question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's something wrong with that. Uh, it should go bad within six hours, not six months or six weeks. Um, and and so they started finding out that the foods that they were eating because they ate such a grain-rich diet was the very thing that was causing the cardiovascular illnesses. And so the it, it, Egyptians gave did us a favor by the mummification process because we were able to see they were having cholesterol plaques. They were having 
uh, irritations in the arterial lining. They were seeing the arterial linings getting narrower in areas uh, along the key pathways, roadways that needed to be wide open for a healthy level of delivery. And the the uh, the heart is just that that system that you take for granted. And to your point, we need to be more mindful of so that when we're eating our food, and if you're eating fried food two or three times a week, that can clog your system up six months easy. Like I'm probably being conservative. When I mean clog your system up, clogging up the bowel, clogging up the liver, clogging up the lymph, putting stress on your blood pressure, and creating irritation on the arterial lining due to the enhancement of volume and blood pressures that creates this irritation inside those endothelial lining. That lining then um, has to lay down Band-Aids of cholesterol to try to repair, and then we blame cholesterol for causing heart disease. Oh, whoa, whoa. what do you mean? Wait, so... I, or, or high blood pressure for causing you know the heart attack. The body's only doing what it needs to do. If there is a massive blockade in the way, and it has to get blood to your tootsies, if it has to get blood to your brain, it's going to increase blood p- pressure to increase that push to get those nutrients that the toes needs and your brain needs and everywhere in between needs fast. So that blood pressure, though, creates a backlog expansion, if you will, of those those arterial liners, and those arterial liners get inflamed. So it's not that your blood pressure is your problem. It's not that your cholesterol is the problem. It's that the blood pressure is up because it's trying to fix something, a problem, a blockade, something's in the way. Mm-hmm. Well, what if that is because you, for the last you know, 16 years or 20 seven years or 50 plus years have been eating fried food every week on Mondays and Thursdays, you know, because the average American eats the same 11 meals over and over again. And they don't realize that they're gravitating to the same 11 meals over and over again. And, and, and our bodies really are mechanistic. They like same things repeated. They don't really like a lot of variety. Um, I've kind of convinced myself and I like variety my taste buds like variety but I don't think that the body really cares it just wants my vitamins my minerals my essential fats it wants to make sure that I've got adequate amino acids that I got a, 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 a adequate building blocks for life to repair to regenerate and to detoxify on the regular and every time I turn around and listen to a patient's story and I hear this the case unfold and when Jennifer and Molly and Dr. Amber and I sit down as a little powwow in a group and we're talking cases, we listen to the we listen to each other tell these stories, and we start hearing. There's where nutritional deficiency is. There's where nutritional deficiency is. There's where nutritional deficiency is. And it always it's almost like I can play pin the nutrient on the symptom. And now I know that's a little allopathic, meaning Western medicine approach, pill for an ill, but it's not when you're looking at nutrition because I'm not trying to block the body from a, a healthy function. I'm trying to assist the body in restoration, in dr- building blocks of manifestation of good health. Like we've got to activate the tissues and get them to, be, to work in a way that they were originally designed to work. And we might be undoing in you, when we sit down and talk with you, two generations of, of genetic bad programming. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a weaker potential system. It's okay. Don't get discouraged. Don't go calling mom and grandma and, and blaming them for your bad health. That's, that's what Western medicine has taught people, and that's got to stop. You have to take responsibility. It's your life, it's your health, it's your choice, and the Bible is very clear. Assurance of victory is yours. So, you know, I like to take the Bible verses, and I know I probably shouldn't put new words in, but I do, um, and maybe, you know, God will convict me of that if I, if I do it wrong. I'm thankful when he does, or somebody that knows more about the Bible maybe can correct me. But I will take verses like the what I call the assurance of victory passage, First uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 10, 13, you know, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, which means that we're all going to be tempted. Everybody, if you've got breath, if you can hear my voice, if you can see my lips are moving, you will be tempted at some point. 
Even Jesus. Correct. Mm-hmm. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Great passage. So I like to put words in. So no disease has overtaken me, except such as common man, which means we're all going to face some kind of health challenge, right? No symptom has overtaken me except, except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not let that symptom overtake me. And even better, he will provide a way. I was talking to a, a, a guy uh, who wrote a book called um, 10,000 10, Solutions, Why Some People See Them and, and Most People Don't. And his name was Daniel something or other. I can't think of his name at the moment in the backside, but he was from Austin. Pretty cool guy. He signed, signed his book and really one of my favorite books to kind of skim through. And he was in the Amazon jungle, and he was getting a guided tour. And the safari uh, or safari, <laughs> the Amazon guy guide told them that for every stinging insect, every deadly venomous bite, every poisonous plant— Guess how many remedies there are in this same area? I'm going to say at least three. Yeah, three on the nose. Good job. And isn't that like God? Not to just give you a one-to-one ratio, but a three-to-one ratio, and there's probably more. We're probably just not— Haven't discovered or know of yet. Correct. And I mean, because I I truly bet you that for every symptom that you're facing, there is ten different ways to skin the old cat to get it to balance out. Now, is there a too late? Dude, we had a guy come in that was— um, 50% of his heart was firing, right? He had, he was already in congestive heart failure and we're running heart sound tests every eight weeks, six weeks. And we're, you know, doing chiropractic with him and we're doing uh, nutritional uh, programming with him and we're supplementing pretty heavily with lots of, you know, good hearty alkaline ash mineral products and uh, healthy, you know, water soluble um, food based B vitamins that are like the complete complex trying to create activation in the rate, the rhythm, and the tone of the heart to improve the function. And this guy was already jovial. He was already just, you know, what you would more or less aspire to when you get old. You know, you want to be full of life. You want to just see Christ in all things. You want to have healthy, fruitful conversations. And, you know, sure, you know, stuff happens, but things just don't seem like they get under his skin, you know, like they, he, he tolerates the, the challenge of life fairly well. And we worked on him for a year, and, um, and, you know, he recently passed. But beautifully, he passed in his sleep painlessly. And at home, you know, with no, no um, drugs and no hospital stays or no lonely nights, he was with his bride and his bride was able to usher him into the heavenlies in a real graceful manner. And, and you know, what a way to depart this planet and this life and go into eternity with Christ, you know? And I just think about the power of nutrition. And, you know, did it still hurt whenever I found out? Did I still feel, you know, responsible? Yeah, of course, you know, like these are these are my people, man. I love all my my patients so much. I love, you know, the the the, the journey that God has put before me, the task that of calling. And but also I have to appreciate that 50% function when you show up. I mean, there how long was he in that state, you know, like and and I mean, is it realistic that we can undo it all? No, I mean, we're, we're, no one gets out of here alive, and that's a bitter pill to swallow. And uh, and I think, you know, the more we're able to face uh, death in the eye and to embrace it, um, it helps us to not be afraid of it or to worry so much about it, but to just ride the wave of life that we have, you know, and enjoy the day, enjoy the month. So we ask, you know, how can we say thank you to the heart? Exercise. It's been scientifically proven, absolutely, positively. If you want to live long and be vibrant and vital, if you want that vim, if that vigor and vip, if you want to, like, go the gusto, if you want to ride onward, upward, goodward, and godward, 
exercise. Move heavy things. I think a lot of the times the the number one excuse for exercise would be I don't have the time. And I've I've felt that way before. I don't have the time to do this. You know, I'm already I'm too busy, busy, busy. Yeah, and I think that that is um, one of the lies of the devil. Uh, I think that is our own personal reasons and our own personal excuses for you know rationalizing bad behavior. I think that at some level, uh, that's your step one. And going back to the little piggies, when they would do those occlusions on their coronary arteries, they would put them on simply a treadmill at slow pace for 20 minutes. And within six weeks, they w- would do a natural bypass, meaning they would build a collateral alternate route to fix the glitch. Isn't that cool? How does that happen? <laughs> that is the, the brilliance of the creator. The body's designed to heal itself. But what if you ask the body to do a collateral bypass naturally through this walking program, but you eat garbage food? <clears throat> so another way to say thank you to the heart is to make sure that you're eating well. We just finished our 21-day detox as a family and as an office and as a tribe of patients going through the program. So proud of all of you that are on it, going have gone through it, and that are going go, to be going through it in the next couple weeks. I just want to encourage you guys. <laughs> One of the best ways is to take that 21-day vacation from the stress and the stimulants, to get off of those garbage foods, to get off those Franken foods and those artificial additives and, the, and those all that denaturing that you consume on a regular basis most of the time. And and that is another way to say thank you. Eating a salad the size of your head, making sure you're mm-hmm. getting a handful of veggies every day. And we, we don't eat enough vegetables. The average American's eating three vegetables a week. You need to be eating six servings a day. And a lot of them, you know. And and, and we and fruit isn't a vegetable. <laughs> you know, fruit is fructose and oftentimes when it's when we eat the high fructose corn syrup, the crystalline fructose, when we see these other processed fructose process products, and then we only eat fruit on top of it, it stresses out your liver, which then stresses out your artery system and stresses out the heart. So everything is just a, a, a process of backlogging, and those cells start to basically get in a pickle, and it's... You know, like uh, your cells are at a frat party being served energy drinks, and it's like a frat party mosh pit of cellular dysfunction. You know, your body goes in and out of a state of cancer five to six hundred times a day. It's just whether or not your body recognizes that cancer cells are there versus the uh, the healthy cells that are present. And your body recognizes, oh, that's a bad one, delete. Oh, that's a bad one, you know, remodel. That's a bad one, deactivate. I mean, your body is doing all these cool things behind the scenes, you know, and heart disease is still one of the number one killers in the United States. And what we're one of the most industrialized, um, advanced technological societies in the planet. But we're also the laziest and we're also eating, you know, frankenfoods and, and we're also heavily laden with medications and we're reaching for the wrong remedies. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Because if you practice the wrong lifestyle and expect your lifestyle to paint a picture of good health, well, (laughs) that might not work out too well for you. But if you get into a, a routine of good thinking good eating, good processing of information in your body. Uh, So that means that your bowels eliminate very well. You sleep well. You rest well, play well, think well, move well. All of a sudden, your body starts to perform well. And I like to think that we are more in control of those processes than we realize. So if you want to go onward, upward, good, upward, and Godward, if you want that vim, vigor, and vip, you've got to start Drinking the right fluids. I got to make sure you say drinking the right fluids. If I say drinking, you go, oh, you said I could have, I could do that. I could, I could have some, a shot of something or other tonight. You know, no, no, no. Do you really need that? You know, I've always made a deal with myself um, that uh, I would never have a glass of alcohol if I was stressed. Like I didn't want ever it to be something I unwound with because I felt like that might be a foothold into the realm of 
well, today's stressful, and then all of a sudden had five stressful days in a row, da 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 Then I heard somebody say, you should never have an alcoholic beverage more than two days a week, and you should never have back-to-back days. And I was like, okay, that's acceptable because, you know, most people do what on Friday night, Saturday night? They go out and do stuff like that. And that stresses out their body. Then they're stressed out during the week because they didn't get good sleep because your body has been scientifically proven does not sleep well when you drop two fingers of scotch in as a nightcap. doesn't serve you well. So, again, how do you say thank you to your body? Stop doing things that cause it dysfunction. If you're not sleeping well, you cannot perform well. It will catch up to you. You cannot outrun a bad diet. You can outrun bad sleep. Because that detoxification restoration process never unfolds, and all of a sudden, your body starts to take an unhealthy exit towards bad, bad health. And then those symptoms start cropping up, and you, just desperate for an answer, are willing to take the pill for an ill model that is being thrown at you because no grandma home remedies never were passed down to you. It's just like if you grew up in a bilingual home and your bilingual parents did not teach you the bilingual you didn't learn that second language because oh well we're never going to need it or oh well you don't need that because it's it, it makes you inferior and all the reality no no it makes you superior to know multiple ways of communication so if the i was i'm on a a group uh with some clinicians um coming together and it's really fascinating to listen to the dialogue and I was reading this book the other day about cleansing your tissues through proper bowel management by Bernard Jensen and and everybody knows I love talking about the bowels and I bring it into all conversation because man at the end of the day one of the things in the first five pages he he, he said when you called grandma in the 1940s and said you had an illness of any kind, she said, do a coffee enema or do a water enema. And these and the enemas, people go, uh-huh? <laughs> there's like, did you just cuss at me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's, it's taboo conversation. Nobody wants to like think of that. And uh, But why would she say that? Because something is clogged up. Something is backing up at the bowel or the liver, and then it's backing up into the limb, and then it's backing up into all your secondary tissues, and it's getting stored in these vital cellular processes. And now the body has to internalize energy, sabotaging productivity, output energy, and now you're stuck wondering why your brain don't work, your joints hurt, you're getting headaches all the time, or you're gaining weight, or your hormones are wacky, and you say to yourself, Oh, there's got to be an answer. And then you go to your medical professional, and they drop a few atomic bomb drugs on you. And instead of, well, how many times have you uh, pooped this week? You know, I've read in the book, and I heard a conversation yesterday just for validation, written in 1950-ish, this book. And it was not uncommon in those days for a medical practitioner to say, oh, 18 days is okay to not poop. Um, No. And then I just heard yesterday, patient that was doing our Zorona laser uh, hadn't had a bowel movement in 18 days. And they were told it was normal for them. Well, guys, you've got to realize that if the bowels don't move, you don't groove physiologically at the cell level. The challenge is, is you can't tell that stuff is not you, you, it's hard to to know that your sinus congestion that you have this morning is because of something you ate two days ago. Like, it's hard science because you haven't been the private eye detective, the sleuth, if you will, that investigates that what you eat causes pretty much everything that you feel. And it sets you up for catching bugs. It sets you up for aging in the accelerated lane. Who wants to accelerate the aging process? No one. You know, everybody wants to gracefully age and feel the energy all the days of their life. And we teach people how to live better, be better, and stay better one bite at a time at Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center. That's what all the clinicians are trained to do is to listen to the story, to see where we can make one degree of change and start moving you down a different path, a resetting of the cell so that you're not stuck on the shallows where you're going to get beat up and get port, you know, holes in your boat and sink that thing. But back out into the deep waters where you can adventure 
the ways of the world. And this is what the heart's job is for us, is to navigate the ways of the world with a, with a, with a deep confidence that you're not going to get stranded at sea, you know, in some sort of metabolic attack on the heart or some sort of blockade that prevents nutrition and, and resources to get to where it needs to go so that you don't develop something in, uh, in a time of your life when you're needed most. Because that's what happened to me. When I was 19, prime time of life, young man coming into a place where he starts to realize that mom and dad aren't you know crazy and that they actually do know some stuff and figured out that you know, probably should start uh, incorporating a little bit of uh, dad's wisdoms that he taught me over the years, and boom, gone. Just out of the nowhere, just died on me. And what if, you know, what if these practices were robbed of him and his upline because, not because maybe his grandparents didn't know better, but because they thought, well, technology this, these cool new Fandango things called doctors came in and started having these new Fandango things called drugs, and these new drugs are saving the world. They're helping us live longer. I even had a conversation while I was at as an intern in college, uh, almost seven, 16, I don't know, a long time ago, and uh, years ago, and, and he says, yeah, but people are statistically living longer. Okay, but is there productivity in check? Is their Vim, Vigor, and Vip in check? Do they have the mindset they want? Do they have the memory they want? Or are they just sitting there taking up space? Yeah, we might be increasing longevity, but do we have the vitality and can we attain it? That's where we've got to make sure we get it all running and working in our favor so that we're able to be fully functional in spirit, mind, and body and not alone in, you know, uh, a hospital or um, a retirement you know, facility where we, our, our family members can't come and visit us because of unforeseen things like 2020. You know what I mean? Because that changed the dynamics of visitation rights across the globe. And so now we, we start looking and experiencing what can we do to rebuild this thing called the amazing heart. Well, first, we want to get you checked out. First, second, we want to hear your story. Third, we want to build you a nutrition plan. Fourth, we want to help you build a, a, a deficiency program to make sure that you don't have deficiencies. we got to help you see where your body's breaking down so that we can start moving you in a better direction so that you feel better, live better, and perform better at every state of your life. Because nobody's talking to the 40 and 50 and 60-year-old on how to take better care of themselves. They're definitely not... Uh, teaching this 60, 70-year-old uh, population how to take care of themselves, their, grand, the, their kids, grandkids, and their aging parents. Not happening. There's nobody talking about that stage of life. That's where we shine because we have stress management protocols. We've got regeneration protocols. We've got detoxification protocols in order in, uh, to maximize the living experience. You know, you hear these scriptures— I had the opportunity, and I'm grateful. I grew up in, in church and have been hearing, you know, messages and scriptures all my all my life. And one that you that you hear is where it says, you know, lay up an inheritance for your your children and your children's children. And, and anytime you talk about this health health and nutrition and and the journey, sometimes those things come back to me. And it's just like you talk about the genetics of passing down. We always think of money, you know. Yeah. You think, and and that that'd be great. I want to be able to give my kids and their kids anything and everything they need so they don't have to worry about whatever and obviously teach them to work hard but then also giving them the genetics passed down of and the knowledge of health and nutrition and how to live a better life um and not always leaning on drugs and surgery that's not the first answer it shouldn't be it should not be mm -hmm. maybe the first answer should be get out the enema bucket it's <laughs> not the first answer I thought of, but maybe but, like exercise or like, hey, try the vegetables and right. passing that on. And See? then the genetics going down too. genetics. Not and, and I think that 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 is a great thought. Right. It's like we always think that the the generational blessing is just material. And we don't realize that knowledge is power. And with no health, you don't have any money. It doesn't matter. That's right. It doesn't matter at and all. And that's why a lot of people 
They spend the first half of their, their life taking for granted their youth, burning the candle at 17 different angles. I know I've, I may, you know, at some level still be guilty of such. Um, but I also recognize that, you know, the, most people are spending all their wealth the second half of life trying to attain an ounce of health. And, you know, so an, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if you are being proactive and you get a heart sound test, you know, so when we do our uh, our um, class this month, it, it will we will be uh, offering people a coupon that come to our classes, a heart sound test. And what, what a heart what is that? How do you test it? What does it do? Yeah, I think I might even bring it in, and we maybe you could bring Kurt in here again, and we could <laughs> test his heart and see how it's doing this year. Is it beating? Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's no heart in there. No, That'd be one of those things. How are you alive? No. <laughs> so, but what it does is it measures the valves, the mitral tricuspid, the aortic and pulmonic valve it sounds in the heart. And we can then see what B vitamins are missing, what essential fats are missing, what minerals are missing, uh, or maybe we need to redose some things, or maybe the heart muscle itself is just needing to be fed and we need to like do some muscle reconditioning. And the, the heart needs regeneration power. Now it does get first dibs, but again, if your first dibs are scraps for what the heart really needs, is it able to regenerate at the level that it needs to every day? And I don't know, see, because this is where genetics does play a small role, I don't know how much health you need in order to get back to ground zero. You know, if you're three generations heart diseased, well, you're more, you might be, you know, in a pretty deep de debt in the heart department and have to do more work there. But that, does that absolve you to quitting and just saying, well, you know, I'm three generations deep? Or do you say, you know what? Okay, this is the game I've got to play in order to maximize my gene code, right? And lay up an inheritance for your kids and the, the future generations and, ahead. And yeah. because they will see you living out a lifestyle very different than the lifestyle that maybe was laid out for you as you were growing up. And, and no fault to the uplines, you know, chagrin. It's we're, we're educated to do what we uh, uh, do, and we do what we saw done, or we don't do what we saw done for, for what, you know, we didn't like it. Maybe, but, you know, think about it, you know, just to play on the idea. If I saw my parents, and I did, I mean, so one of the things that happened to me is, like, I was young, and I was taken off of uh, eggs and off of butter, and I had to go on a low-fat diet, and then so that basically meant I was on, you know, I think snack wells, you know, the low-fat diet, you know, cookie of choice. And I can still see the little mock Oreo thing. Sounds delicious. I, I mean, it, I, I think it was delicious back in the day, but I'm thinking back, thinking, knowing that it was probably not some best. version of petroleum and plastic, I'm thinking, what in the world was I doing? But whatever. Um, that's what I was educated to do. But I saw my folks also pull out these cool vegetarian uh, cookbooks, and we started making some cool recipes, and then we would drop a little bit of turkey on it, and then we'd drop a little bit of, you know, I think I don't, I don't know that I ate a lot of fish growing up, but, you know, it was more chicken and turkeys and, you know, beef still. And, uh, but I had to give up things, and I, so my, I saw that transitions begin to happen, and then, you know, I, I just was open to making lifestyle changes. And uh, and then the defining moment, <laughs> a girl makes fun of you <laughs> as a boy in a, the junior high level. I mean, very vulnerable. And do you I, remember her name? Of course, I know exactly who. Are it you is. friends with her on Facebook? I is am, she watching right now? She's not. Okay, but it's interesting. I've never. And she has no idea. And she inspired you your entire life. It started there. I know. I really owe her a, a great deal of gratitude. But if I told her, she'd probably feel like a heel. Right. <laughs> As she should. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Be kind. And, and so, yeah, so th the reality is is recognizing that, you know, um, when what the devil means for evil, uh, God always turns to good. And, and so she didn't mean it. She was just a hormonal uh, junior high kid, too, and I was just an overweight hormonal junior high kid. And thankfully— God's angels and and good teaching from my parents about self confidence that I was able other than skipping school and walking out the back of the school that day, um, I you know went home and slapped myself around a little bit and 
said, you know, Chop, never again are we going to be made fun of for being overweight, you know? And so I just made a call to action for myself to fix a problem. And then I started asking this question, what can I do right now? I drink a lot of these soda things, you know, full of sugar. Said, dump it, done, easy. Then I was doing a lot of these sports drinks. I can dump it. How'd you, know, how'd you know sugar, though? At that point, did you realize it was sugar? You just said, hey, these probably aren't good for me. This is a place to start. Yeah, because or is it sugar? I just knew there was a couple things that I had done uh, the summers over the summers prior uh, that I knew is what caused my problem. I would eat five peanut butter and jelly sandwiches a day, uh, and, you know, suck down with a soda uh, of sorts with each one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so when you're drinking five cokes a day or uh and then you know pb and j's and you you start realizing real quick fast in a hurry when the weight gets packed on and somebody brings it to your attention <laughs> through a nice gesture or just a blunt like poke in, in, the, in the eye um you have an opportunity to say okay i could probably make that whole vegetable thing my mom and dad wanted me to eat these vegetable thingies maybe i should look into that you know what i mean yeah. and and so um, and, and there was still, I, I, I didn't eat a lot of vegetables, but I mean, I ate more vegetables than I would have eaten. And, but I got rid of that nasty sugar, liquid sugar products in a flash. I didn't drink juice. I didn't drink sugar in the tea. I didn't have, you know, sugary beverages for five years. Really? Like, I mean, I was like pretty dogmatic. Like it wasn't happening. From junior, this is in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so... I think that you know a lot of those; uh, pr- those are the, the those are my start days. Those are my formative years of being okay walking past the donut today. You know, uh, on Sunday even uh, there was a cookie cake uh, opportunity. And gosh, I don't know if you've ever like smelled a cookie cake, Gardy. I've tasted one too, and I have <laughs> tasted one, and I know how like chewy and wonderful that thing is in your mouth. And I'm just thinking to myself. I mean, I'm even still sort of kind of regretting that I didn't have a bite. But I mean, I'm thinking to myself. I just know that I wouldn't have felt super great this week, and I just don't have time to feel junky. Too busy. Um, and I need to be better than busy. I got to be productive. Like mm-hmm. make every moment count, you know. And so I've just kind of come to a place where I would rather wear this body out through healthy levels of productivity and adventure and maximizing the growth curve and showing my next generation, showing my bride, showing my 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 family extended and beyond um, way, the ways of living and what it does take to go the distance. Because if I truly want to be 125 fully functional in spirit, mind, and body, I got to be willing to do things that re- allow me to potentially maximize that experience. Now, God might call me home beforehand, and I guess, you know, people will say, see, it didn't work for you. Well, it's okay. I'm in heaven now, uh, so I got it better than you do at the po- at the moment. But at the end of the day, what if, you know, God says, well done, you know, for seeing that and then spending your life trying to get people to recognize that they are empowered to make lifestyle choices. They are empowered to learn new ways of living and to experience a generational gift to give on. And maybe, you know, my life's calling is just to wake people up to the idea that they're, it's their life, their health, their choice. That alcohol is really not that good for you and you shouldn't drink it. Maybe that candy bar should be passed up. Maybe that donut on Sunday morning, you should let it go. You know what I mean? And recognize that if you're not detoxing in the 21st century, you're missing a huge health care plan. If you're not recognizing that you can regenerate your tissues, even though you've got three generations of disease in your life, in your health line, doesn't mean that you're absolved to just sitting in your muck and misery and wondering why you're not healthy. Change. You know, one degree is all we ask. At Living Well, we don't judge. We don't uh, demand. We're not going to accept, set unrealistic goals. We're going to help you make one degree of change, one degree of change, one degree of change until you get it. And then all of a sudden you'll go one degree to five degrees, and then five degrees to 15 degrees, and then 15 to 40. And then it just exponentially starts to evolve. You start getting these little new skill sets. And it's just a little harder to build the habits whenever you're busy and trying to run around taking care of your finances and taking care of your job and taking care of your all the sporting events that we do for our kids and and you're trying to navigate those weird you know lifestyle things that we deem important but you know unfortunately health is one of those things that's important but it's not urgent 
You know, it, it'll right. bite you in the butt, but it won't bite you in the butt tomorrow. It just might, tomorrow might be 45 years down the road and it bites you in the butt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and with the heart, and we'll talk about this more as, as the time goes uh, this month, is you just don't want it to give out unexpectedly. And you don't want it to have symptom patterns that could have easily been avoided with some good mineral intake or healthy fish oil intake or good healthy practices of exercise and movement. So as I leave today, I just encourage you to remember all life starts and stops at the cellular level and nutrition is the fundamental backbone. And we're going to spend some time this month discussing the heart, getting ready for our class uh, this um, this month. And we'll put it in the text thread on the Facebook thread. And and we invite you to be a part of what Living Well Clinical Nutrition Center is doing. So 281-554-8600. Give us a call. Visit our website, justlivewell.com. And it, do we have a question? Uh, yeah, I got one that's one, kind okay, of important. Good, yeah, go ahead. First, I wanted to say that we had a, a question, and it was about food. A couple of suggestions for some heart-healthy food. This is from Nicholas. And then someone also asked about pickles. And I told him, I'm going to try and ask. So... Are pickles good for you, heart healthy even, and what are some options, even like three or four? Yeah, yeah. So cucumbers are probably uh, better than the pickles because pickles, the pickles taste better. Uh, they definitely do. <laughs> um, if you made your own pickles, maybe. But see, we put too much sugar in the pickles, right? So and that's what people look for. Um, but at the end of the day, is a pickle better than a Snickers bar? Um, yeah. So we look at those acts, those ideas. Um, from a heart-healthy perspective, it comes right back down to you know, vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. Making sure that you have healthy fats. Like, believe it or not, good you know, intake of healthy fats like butter, avocado, uh, coconut oil, coconut butter. These are healthy fats that we should be cooking with. We should be consuming on a regular. Those are the saturated fats that are good for us. And now, can you overindulge? Of course, you can overindulge in everything. But what if uh, you aren't getting any of it because they've demonized it and made you think that fat is bad? Fat makes you fat. Fat causes heart disease. Fat causes strokes. And it doesn't. Absolutely does not. Those cells need, they have a layer of fat around it, and that fatty tissue can be regenerated with healthy fats in our diet. You want to look on labels, and if you see things like thiamine mononitrate, synthetic B vitamins, those stress out your heart. If you see, so like most of your bready products, starches, um, in the grain department starch, uh, those are going to be stressful on the heart. So when you look at green leafy vegetables that are rich in potassium, um, those are going to be useful. Asparagus is is great for the kidneys, great for blood pressure, great as a diuretic taking stress off the heart. One of my favorites, raw asparagus. I love. I eat raw asparagus all the time. I like actually cut it in little chunks and put it over dishes all the time as an extra texture um, in my food, and it's delicious. I put spices like onion powder, not garlic salt onion uh, powder, but I mean, or um, garlic salt, but just regular garlic, just garlic powder, onion powder um, over that. Garlic is huge and amazing food. You could have a clove a day, good for everything, but really great for um, enhancing blood quality. Blood quality meaning that you're getting better oxygen production, you're getting better nutrient delivery. And then uh, looking at other, you know, uh, pe- your pepper families are really good for the heart, especially your spicy things, uh, because they increase and in, uh, they improve blood quality again. And they prevent things from storing up. So cayenne pepper, fun spice to kind of work with if your body will let it happen. Uh, we use uh, quite a bit of herbs a lot with our heart care programs. Uh, back to food, uh, we're also looking at, you know, your, your uh, I, I don't know that it's really per se perfect for the heart, but it is it is a healthy, you know, starch alternative. Your spaghetti squashes, your butternut squash, um, and and using your your zucchinis and, and uh, summer squashes as a good uh, side dish. Good onion intake are also uh, very useful in um, spicing some of these things up to get the, these in. Carrots are fantastic, not only for your eyes, but also for heart function. I mean, so there's there's a lot of, of good quality um, vegetables available. Um, the um, I'm trying to think of a couple fruits for you guys. Uh, raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, um, those are your best berries to consume as antioxidant formers that de-stress the inflam- inflammatory respect. 
So that's probably you know a good place, and I'll bring some more as we unfold um, the month's end of heart health and heart function. And uh, just remember, if you have symptoms at all, give us a call, 281-554-8600. Let us check you out. You can come see myself. You can see Jennifer, Molly, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Amber, and let us teach you what we know about living better, being better, and staying better. And right now, we I believe we, yep, at this point are still offering uh, discounted new patient visits um, for the for a few more weeks here in February. So take advantage of those. I mean, they have been a hit for the last you know twenty days, and uh, we're just keeping that door open a little bit longer. And uh, we're just seeing a great thing an influx of people wanting to make changes in twenty twenty one, and we hope that's you too. So God bless you guys www.justlivewell.com and stay tuned to KHA Radio and Living Well Clinical Nutrition's teaming up to give you better health. This is KHA Radio 99.5 FM. All right, Facebook. Hey, we still need a couple more shares. If you're watching, hit the share button right now. Love you guys. Be blessed.